The Oklahoma City Thunder get a massive win in Denver, and as we all wait for the other shoe to drop, it might not drop this season. Josh Giddy improves on defense. SGA continues to be a star, and the Thunder are making a lot of noise. We'll talk about that on today's Locked On Thunder podcast. You are Locked On Thunder, your daily Oklahoma City Thunder podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team... Every day. Let's get it going on the Locked On Thunder Podcast, on the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I am your host, media member, and editor-in-chief over at thunderousintentions.com. Ryland Styles. You can follow me on Twitter at Ryland underscore Styles. Follow the show on Twitter at LOThunderPod. Email the show, LOThunderPod at gmail.com. On today's show, brought to you by Prize Picks. We're going to dive into the Oklahoma City Thunder capturing yet another big win. The other shoe might not be dropping this season. SG is a star. Josh Giddy is playing really good defense. And the Thunder find another route to a win. Today's episode is brought to you by Prize Picks. First-time users can receive a hundred percent instant deposit match up to one hundred dollars with the code Locked On. That's right, PrizePicks.com promo code Locked On or on the Prize Picks app. Thank you so much for making Locked On Thunder your first listen every single morning, every single day. We are here for you, talking Thunder basketball. Subscribe for free on YouTube and other podcasting apps so you do not miss an episode. With that being said, let's dive in to this game against Denver that we always do with our game overview. So Usman Jang is back. He played in the G League on Saturday, scored 20 points, got called back up, did not play in this game because he played last night uh, in Texas. Lindy Waters did not play. Eugenio Marui did not play. And then Poku, Jerry, and Chet Holmgren, of course, are all still hurt. The Thunder did not see Jokic, did not see Michael Porter Jr. in this game, but they did play in Denver after a tough loss to the Kings. They played in a great atmosphere, Uh, both with the crowd atmosphere and it's difficult to play there with the thin air and they played the best team in the West and they won. We're going to talk about the Thunder getting another big win and still proving a lot of people wrong, including myself and discuss how they got this win. But let's first start with Josh Giddy. Josh Giddy has been really good on defense over this last stretch of games. And starting out with his defense, what didn't you see from him tonight? You saw him tie up Aaron Gordon on a block at the rim. You saw him wall up and alter Jeff Green's shot at the rim and then off of that missed shot, tap out the rebound to his teammates. You saw him communicate with Isaiah Joe. You know, there was a play where Josh Giddy is defending on the perimeter. Jamal Murray comes off of a screen and sees that Isaiah Joe is defending on the low post and Giddy is up top. And then Joel Murray kind of loses the dribble a little bit. And in that split second, Giddy is talking with Joe saying switch, switch. And the two switched where now Joe is on the perimeter. And now Giddy is on the big man down low, which is more advantageous for the Thunder, obviously. So just that, that communication and, and savviness of his defensive awareness has risen. And I asked Josh Giddy earlier in the season, he told me that it's been a point of emphasis for him to get better as a communicator on defense, because of course he's not going to be this tremendous athlete, but he can control what he can control and he can be a really good, good communicator and he can use the link that he does have 
to his advantage in the NBA. And he's doing that a lot more on both ends of the floor. So I've been really impressed with Josh Giddey on defense. And he got a steal and a block in this game also. But it's it's the possession in and possession out nature of Josh Giddey's defensive kind of rise that I think is so important. And I think that as he gets stronger, he'll get even better defensively. As he gets better at positioning, he'll get even better defensively. And yes, he's never going to be like a point of attack, isolation, island defender. But he can be a nice defensive cog in a really good defensive system that produces really good defensive production, which is already happening in Oklahoma City. I'm not ready to write off Josh Giddy defensively. I think he's getting better each and every game, and the effort's improving on the end of the floor, and he's getting better at really all facets of the game for his entire career so far, which is what you want him to do at age 20. Offensively, he had that great finger roll in the first possession, which was made up entirely of uh, you know ball and player movement. He is an amazing cutter and just understands how to fill space offensively and where to be at offensively. That is that will put the team in the best position to score. Uh, he had aggressive drives where he's using his body not only to shield defenders, but using those strides to break free and create space on his way to the rim. And thanks to that added strength, he's taking more and more contact as each game passes. It's still not resulting in the free throws that you would want, uh, but that just comes down to getting the calls. And tonight, he had his floater working. He was seeking out that floater in a positive way and not as a safety net, right? Sometimes with that floater, it's more of a safety net to not go mix it up. He was mixing it up, and defenses were gearing up for him to attack hard at the rim, but then he gets a little handoff from uh, Kenny Hustle at the nail, and the defender backs up to defend him at the rim, and he just pops up a floater and knocks it in. Like, he, he can do so much, and off of that floater, as you get a rim threat, as you get a lob threat, comes these nice lobs with his passing ability and his floating ability that put the defense in quite the bind whenever he gets a full head of steam going to the rim. He's gotten better at going to the rim this entire season already. He's like a legit scorer now also. He had 14 points in the first quarter, which SGA had 10 points in the first quarter, so the two were playing off of each other very well. And he's now a guy that, you know, throughout the course of a game, his teammates turn to him and give him the ball and, and clear out kind of and, and ask him to go stop the bleeding whenever the, whenever the offense falls into a lull, especially without Shea on the floor. Like he legitimately can score the basketball over the last 23 games. And, and that's not a sample size, especially for a guy who has not played that many games in total to turn your nose up at. Like 23 games is a pretty good sample size of, of evolution when it comes to young players. Like sure, if he's a 15-year veteran, and has a 20-game streak of doing something he has never done in his career before, okay, yeah, you, you can kind of uh, raise your eyebrows at that. With such a young player, a 23-game streak is is a pretty large percentile of his entire career. And so now he's kind of showing you what he's able to do. And the way that he's scoring is sustainable. Like, it's not as though he hit four threes in this game, and, like, you're just sitting there going, well, you know, Giddy's not going to hit four threes every single night. He went 0 of 1 from 3. He scored 18 points, all pretty much at the rim in the paint spots he can get to religiously. He had three assists, nine rebounds, a steal, a block, and just had four turnovers. He shot 53% from the floor. And speaking of his defense, by the way, whenever we called out his defense and how, how much better it's gotten, he did a much better job in this specific game against a pretty big Denver team of defending bigger guys than him, You know, playing a, a position up defensively and not fouling. You know, foul trouble has been a thing for him over the last four, five or so games. Tonight, one foul. 
Just one foul. I mean, he fouled out of the Pacers game. And just one foul tonight. He's gotten better all the way around. And it's been awesome to watch Josh Giddy evolve. And the pairing of SGA and Josh Giddy last year got a lot of attention. And it's gotten a lot of attention in the first half of this season. But as each game goes, as you would expect, it's gotten more natural. It's looked a lot better. They're, they're understanding how to play off each other more. And it's resulting in big Thunder wins. And we'll talk about coming up how the Thunder found a new way to win and how the Thunder are preventing that other shoe from dropping. But part of it especially is, hey, the two guys that you that you want to build around, yeah, they're just working together now, like, really well. Uh, the, the young players that, that, you, that you have, they're clicking as you envisioned. Coming up, we're going to talk about SGA being an absolute star and him thriving in a different way in this game. Plus, how can you even defend SGA? I get asked that question a lot. Uh, I got asked that question on Lockdown NBA today, which you can go check out with Jackson Gatlin of Lockdown NBA on, on Mondays, of how do you defend SGA? And there's just not really a way to defend him, even without sounding like a homer. The Thunder find another way to win. Kenny Hustle is playing his best basketball. Isaiah Joe proves to me that he can stay on the floor in big games. How did he do it? We'll talk about that coming up. But first... I want to say right now, but good friends over at Prize Picks, folks. Prize Picks is incredible, and it's where you should be at because Prize Picks is awesome daily action that you can get in on whenever you're watching sports, folks. There's nothing better than sitting down and turning on NBA League Pass and then saying, you know, what will make this more interesting if I pick some players and some stats, and it's just me. Versus the projected numbers. I'm not having to play a whole nother person. I'm not having to worry about playing these incredible fantasy players that go and research all these different stats and just are way better than I am at fantasy. It's just me versus the projections. And so, for example, tonight, you can take, you know, over under points scored on a guy like Luca and over under rebounds picked up on a guy like LeBron James and then over under three pointers made on a guy like Steph Curry. And your entire night can be mapped out of just following along NBA action and seeing if your predictions come true. So how does it work? You pick two to six players, and if they score more or less than their price pick projections, you can win up to 25 times your entry, depending on your selection. It's no competing against other players. It's just you versus projected numbers. Price picks offers predictions on any sport that you watch. NBA, NFL, MLB, NHL, PGA, college football, men's college basketball, women's college basketball, soccer, WNBA, esports, NASCAR, tennis, MMA, boxing, disc golf, Eurobasket, and cricket, and more. Entries can be made in 60 seconds or less. It's that easy. It's fast and safe and offers fast withdrawals. You can currently operate in 30 states and Canada. Download the app right now or go to pricepicks.com to sign up today for daily fantasy sports. First-time users receive 100% instant deposit match guarantee up to $100 with the code locked on. Uh, that's code locked on at pricepicks.com. Code locked on gets you 100% instant deposit match guarantee up to $100. Now, let's continue on talking about this epic win over the Nuggets as SGA looks like a star. He was elite at finishing through contact and did not get the calls tonight and still finished with 34 points. So for everyone out there that was wondering, was this all just because he's getting 10, 12, 13, 14, 15 free throws in a game? No, he's relentlessly attacking attacking the rim still. He's not getting a ton of foul calls of these last couple of games. In this game specifically, he was way, 
way displeased with the refs and argued way more than normal. And he still got to 34 points. And he got there with efficient scoring. He got there while still being his efficient self. 34 points, 5 assists, 5 rebounds, 2 blocks. Only one turnover and only two fouls in this game. And he continues his trend of scoring double-digit points in the first and the third quarter. When you can have a guy that you can just bank on having 10 points plus in the first, 10 points plus in the third, you have yourself a star. And what's funny is he's, he's not getting these reputation fouls yet, and he's still this good. Like, eventually, the refs are just going to say, you know, he's driving to the rim every single possession, and he seems to be displeased with these with these contacts, and he's not a guy that really calls us out a ton. It's probably a foul. And, like, they start watching for it more and start and start just giving him these free throws that he's earning by driving at the rim and getting attacked, you know, getting kind of hacked, I should say, at the rim. So, like, when that happens and he's back up to 10 free throws a night, like, it can get really scary for SGA, and it can get really scary for the rest of the league. He had a beautiful whip pass to Muscala. And the biggest thing is that he just completely disregards perfect defense. Like, you have a player in OKC, again, which which this is not promised. This is, I know it feels like, you know, the Thunder been spoiled and the fan base has been spoiled and it feels routine at this point. Like, okay, yeah, it's just commonplace to have a Kevin Durant, to have a Russell Westbrook, to have a James Harden, to have a Paul George, to have an SGA. It's just commonplace to have all these guys. It's not, like, to have a Chris Paul it's not. I promise it's not. You can ask a lot of other franchises. But once again, the Thunder have a guy who can just simply score at will and can just outplay the other team almost single-handedly. I'm not sure how you defend him. Again, the only teams that's given him trouble are the Heat with that zone defense and Memphis with all of their length and size. And speaking of length and size, the Nuggets put Aaron Gordon on him at the end of the game. And SGA still hits a couple of tough shots over Aaron Gordon, but Aaron Gordon does defend him about as well as you can. However, I wonder, can you switch your power forward center onto SGA routinely at the end of games as you add in Chet Holmgren next year? And you're no longer leaving these smaller players, which are easier to switch onto. You're now leaving a seven-footer who can space the floor and score inside. Maybe you still can, but I just wonder that. You know, so that so again, that's another defensive area where a team has found some success. But still, SGA hits the game winner. And still might not be repeatable. SGA, it's becoming routine for him to score 30 points. I mean, it's like his 27th time this year scoring 30 points. But in this game, he just followed his tried and true formula. In the third quarter, things got dicey. Nuggets took their first lead of the night. And right away, right on cue, SGA hits an and one and stabilizes things for OKC. So he stabilizes them in the third quarter. And then in the fourth quarter, he comes in, Thunder up four points with four minutes left. It gets tied at 30 seconds left. And then SGA hits the game winner. And he's the closer to close out this game and to give the Thunder another massive win. That's the formula. And that's the superstar nature of SGA's game. And like we talked about with Josh Giddy, I'm not sure how much more of a sample size that you need to see to feel comfortable calling him a superstar. Because he is. It's been 42 games of this output of 30 points, you know, five rebounds, five assists, shooting 50% from the floor. He's making, you know, he's making 50% of his shots and he's scoring 30 points a night. 90% the line, 
35% from three. And even if you believe, which I don't, but even if you do believe that SGA has fulfilled his potential, his production still rises as this team gets better around him, as they add better shooting, as they add shit homework back, his production gets better just based on that. And I still believe that he has more room to grow as a player. I still believe he has areas to improve as a player that he will succeed at because he's gotten better each and every summer. And I don't see that stopping this summer. SGA's a superstar. And the Thunder have another superstar. And Josh Giddy over the last 20 games, is playing at an all-star level. And Chet Holmgren was supposed to be this incredible you know, face of your franchise type of guy, and he has not played a minute yet for this team and can still fulfill that those shoots. The Thunder are in a very, very good spot. And it starts with SGA, and it doesn't stop there. And in this game, the Thunder found another way to win. OKC starts up 18-8. to Denver does not take their first lead until midway through the third. After the Nuggets took their first lead, the Thunder respond with an 8-0 run. The Thunder cycled through 10 players in this game, and the Nuggets got the Thunder to play outside of their comfort zone. The Nuggets slowed the game down. The Nuggets made it a grimy, grind, sloppy, half-court second half. And the Thunder adjusted that play style and pulled one out on the road against one of the best teams in the West, and after, they suffered a heartbreaking loss in Sacramento. And so the Thunder just keep answering questions and tests that are put in front of them. And we keep waiting and waiting and waiting for the other shoe to drop. Yeah, they've been good this year, but uh, you know, you're going to head out East and you're going to play Miami and Philadelphia, Chicago on a back-to-back Brooklyn. It's going to all come tumbling down. They go three and one. Yeah, but the Pacers trap game, watch out for the Pacers. And then two really tough games, West coast. You could go. Oh, and three, two and one. And we're doing the same thing this week. Ah, yeah, you're at home. Yeah. Two days off, but Hawks are playing some good basketball. Cavs are a good team that, that have the size to, to uh, negate Shea's ability. Lost to them in Cleveland in December. And then the Warriors, I mean, they have Steph back, and they, they're a great team. Could go 0-3. And they could go 0-3 again this week as a projection. You could project them to go 0-3 this week. Uh, but another question I had for them, can they do it off of a loss? Like, it was, it was all right and high, but this team's been very streaky as a team. Like, as a team, this team has, has been a streaky, streaky bunch. Can they not allow... Right? Can they not allow that one loss against Sacramento to turn into two, to turn into three, to turn into four, to turn into five? Because so far this year, the Thunder have had six winning streaks, they've had six losing streaks, and they've only snapped, you know, a winning streak. They've only snapped a losing streak where they follow up a single loss with a win four times. And in general this year, they've not been good at home. However, over the last month, they have been good. good. I mean, I'm sorry. In general, they've not been good on the road, but in the last month, they have been good. Um, on the road. But once again, the Thunder answered the test. And so as we keep waiting for that other shoe to drop, I'm not sure that it is going to. And in this game, the Thunder had to play slow, had to play half-court style, had to play where you're not shooting well, they're not shooting well, and just grind it out. And the Thunder did a good job of running KCP off the three-point line. They were bad to start the third quarter, which is typically their quarter, but they end the frame with a huge jolt. They're working the glass against a much bigger team, like a volleyball team out there tipping out rebounds to themselves. There's 30 seconds left in the tie game. The first out-of-timeout set, which is usually incredible for OKC, was botched and saved by a kickball, and you got to redo, and then SGA hits the game winner. And then Lou Dort forces an incredibly difficult shot for Jamal Murray, which he, which he can knock down, but didn't knock down this time. 
And yes, Denver was awful shooting at the free throw line. That's what you're going to hold up and say, well, no Jokic, well, no KPJ, well, I mean, well no MPJ. Well, the, the Nuggets didn't shoot well from three. Neither did the Thunder. Well, the Nuggets were terrible at the free throw line. Okay, that, that's, that's out of control for OKC, just as it was out of control for OKC that the Miami Heat were awarded 40 free throws and went 40 for 40. These things level out. The crowd was amazing. They were into it late in the game. The Nuggets wanted this contest. The, the, the Thunder wanted this contest. It was a big, intense moment for a young team to learn from. And not only did SGA play well, not only did Josh Giddy play well, but then you got picked up by your complimentary pieces, and that's exactly what you have to do to win these games. You got picked up by Baisley's defense. Isaiah Joe was hitting clutch threes. Kenny Hustle continues to play well on, on offense and hit one of the biggest shots of the game. Wiggins playing good defense in his, in his small spurt, saving the ball, playing with Hustle. Lou Dort defending another bucket getter on an island late in the game and winning it for you. You had Jalen Williams have a massive, energetic dunk that, that really allowed the Thunder to get back in a groove. The other shoe just is not dropping. And I'm not sure when we're all going to feel comfortable kind of admitting that. I think it'll be after the All-Star break. Like I think if they truly do play this well from now until the All-Star break, it's going to be almost impossible to, to deny them anymore. They're one game below 500. Their next win will match their win total for the last two seasons. But I think that after the All-Star break, there's just nothing left to say if they get through this stretch of Atlanta, Cleveland, Golden State, two versus the Rockets, then another Golden State game on the road. So you're going on a West Coast swing where you play Golden State, Lakers, Portland, and then you play the Pelicans. That's a brutal stretch. And then you play the Rockets. If you get through that stretch, we play the Rockets three times, the Warriors twice, the Lakers, Blazers, and Pelicans. If you get through that stretch, and Cleveland and Atlanta, if you get through that stretch, and you're still right here in the play-in or wherever you end up being on a positive side, at that point, the schedule gets even easier, and there's just nothing left to question them about. At that point, they would have survived going west. They would have survived going east. They would have survived playing at home. They would have survived trap games. They would have survived everything you can survive as a team. Not to mention overcoming the injuries that's been put before them in the form of Poku, who's a really good rotational piece and was a really good starter for OKC this year. Jeremiah Romson Earl, same boat, and then their second overall pick in Chet Holmgren, and missing their third lottery pick for a lot of the season in Usman Jang as well. They've done a lot to prove that this team is different and that this team can be a play-in team, while other teams have, have not done anything to prove that they weren't being sharpened into the to the postseason, you know, to the play-in besides, you know, the, the history of Golden State and the history of Phoenix and but you know, Portland, like Portland has not done anything really to prove that this specific season. They've not answered a ton of stuff tests this specific year. The Lakers are playing a lot better right now, and that's going to be a huge test. But it's all out in front of them, pretty much, is what I'm saying. You're going to play these teams that are up against you in the play-in race. You're going to have your shot at the Lakers, the shot at the Portland Trailblazers. You're going to have your shot at the Warriors. You're going to have your shot at these teams. What do you do with it? And we'll, we'll see how they go from there. But once again, we're sitting here on a Sunday night saying, well, the Thunder finished that week better than expected. And if you keep stacking those kind of weeks upon each other, then you find yourself in the playoffs come April. We'll talk any hustle, Isaiah Joe, Darius Baisley, Trey Mann, and the Thunder big win all coming up. But first, I'm going to say right now, but our good friends over at FanDuel. That's right, FanDuel. What a time. The NFL playoffs are here. We're really excited to tell you about our new sports betting partner for Locked On because they are the number one 
sports book in America, FanDuel. And if you're new to FanDuel, that's even better. They have so many great features that make betting on sports fun and easy. New customers, join today to start uh, a $100 and $15 in free pets guarantee whenever you place your first bet of $5. So when you join today, you get started with $150 in free bets guaranteed for just placing your first bet with $5. So sign up today at FanDuel.com slash locked on. FanDuel has all your favorite bets from money line to point spreads to player props. Plus, you can even combine your bets for a chance at a big payout with same game parlay. Some of the lines I like this weekend in the upcoming football playoffs, I like the Eagles minus two and a half at home. I think that the link will be rocking. Sadly, I like the Bengals at plus one and a half. They just have the Chiefs number, and I don't know if the Chiefs can uh, match pace with the Bengals, given that Mahomes is a little banged up right now. But you can go check all that out at FanDuel. FanDuel is incredible. It's on the app. It's safe, secure, super easy to use. So football fans, do not miss out. Place your first $5 bet to get $150 in free bets. Win or lose at FanDuel.com slash locked on. Make every moment more with FanDuel, official sport partner of the NFL. We're back on the Lockdown Thunder Podcast. On the Lockdown Podcast Network, your teams every day. Thank you so much for making us your first listen every single morning, every single day. We're here for you talking Thunder basketball. Kenny Hustle playing his best basketball. He had that clutch three with a minute left that the Thunder do not win this game without that three. He had another three in the third quarter to stabilize things. He draws a charge. The Thunder total up three offensive uh, three offensive fouls drawn defensively, which is big thanks to Kenny Hustle, Lou Dort with the illegal screen, and then Isaiah Joe with the charge. Should have had two for Joe on the charge. But this is the best stretch of his career, and he wants to be here. His representation wants him here. He wants to be here. The Thunder want him here, and he is providing a huge spark on both ends of the floor. It's so rare to see a player who's, you know, built on hustle and defense evolve into a really good offensive player. It's so rare for that to happen in general. It's also rare for whenever that does happen to maintain the same level of defensive output and hustle as Ken Kendrick Williams has done. 11 points, four assists, six rebounds, a steal, three for five from three. He does it all. He does it all. Now, Isaiah Joe in this game really put a lot of my concerns to rest about if he can play in the playoffs or play in important games. Now, we still got to see him do it, obviously. Like This, this is still going to be just a, not certainty that he can, but a, a good step in the right direction for, for imagining he can play in the playoffs and play when these games slow down, play in the half-court look, play defensively, and stay on the floor and not just get picked on in a pick-and-roll league. Because he's a really smart defender. Like He's a smart defender who is good with positioning. He's good with using... Uh, his body and playing bigger than he is. He's athletic enough to stick to his man's hip, which does, you know, make up for some of that height difference that he's going to be put on because he's going to be likely the smallest player on the floor in almost every lineup that the Thunder are in and that the opposition is in. He's drawing charges simply just based upon knowing which side Aaron Gordon is going to turn to. Like, that's just him being a smart defender and with that positioning and with that film study to make himself useful on that end. I say all the time he plays bigger than he is because he's just fearless. He's fearless of mixing it up, taking an elbow, being down low, and scrapping for everything. He's really good with steals, both as what I call the creeper steals, where he's defending in the slot or on the wing, and a guy starts to starts to drive toward the elbow of the side of the ball that he's on, and he just reaches in, pokes free, and gets the steal. He's also good at stealing straight up. 
plays bigger than he is, as I mentioned before. And when you factor all that in, the IQ, the positioning, the 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 athleticism to, to stick with somebody and just be on their hip all game and just be annoying and a pest, the fearless nature of his game, when you factor all that in and add it to how good he is offensively, add it to the fact that he makes Shea better with his floor spacing, add it to the fact that at any given moment he can go off for three straight threes, add it to the fact that he can hit big shots and is not afraid of that moment either, then yeah, he can stay on the floor to me. Like he can. Like we got to see it. Again, we got to see it. But this was a game that went a long way in, to me in proving that he can stay on the floor. Because to start the game for like the first two and a half quarters, I don't think it was really there offensively for him, but he still made a positive impact. And then it all came around all at once. And he's able to give you some two, you know, two big threes. He's able to give you four rebounds. And one was just him simply soaring in over everybody, getting an offensive rebound, dribbling out to their mid range, and, and getting a bucket for you. Uh, that just creating that for himself. So given his offensive production, and given how deep the Thunder are, where they can play offense, defense during stoppages, and they can they can during free throws, you know, offensive free throws, you sub in your defensive guy, and vice versa, calling timeouts to 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 set up your next look. Like given how Mark utilizes timeouts and when he chooses to call them, and given how in the half court look, you're going to have more free throws, especially with SGA on, on your team. Like you can manage it exceptionally well, exceptionally well for OKC as this team starts to play. It starts to play in more and more competitive games. Darius Baisley looks really good in this game, and it goes beyond the box score. The box score is by no means going to leap out at you, but he had a great transition defensive block. He switches one through five defensively. He had the best drive of his career where he drives in, jumps up in the lane, kick out to Isaiah Joe for three, and Isaiah Joe splashes it home. He's a really nice rebounder, a really nice shot blocker, can defend on an island given his strength and athletic ability to stay with people. But also, if he does get beat, he has the length to go and make up for it. He's really good at defensive positioning as well. Five rebounds, an assist, a block, and then he just didn't take a shot in this game. But if he continues to be put in a more advantageous situation offensively where he's a rim runner, a cutter, a screener, not really camping in the corner, not doing too much with the ball in his hands while playing this electric defense, he has a spot in the NBA. And again, I still despite this really good month, do not think it's an OKC long-term, but it's good for him personally and his career personally that he's playing this way. And then I'm just waiting on Trey Mann to, to break out. I think he can score this in this league, but it's got to fall for him eventually. Like he goes three for six tonight, but 0 for two from three. Uh, so he missed one shot inside the arc. He's still creating so much space. Like like the, the amount of space he gets from his defender and separation he gets to launch a shot is Superb. Like it is it is brilliant. It is elite stuff. I'm not sure how you would data track that, but it's really, 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 really good. The shots just need to go in the ring now. Like that's all that needs to happen next. And that's a that's a lot of stuff that's beyond your control a lot of the times. He's got to get the confidence back in shooting the basketball. He still does not look very confident out there when it comes to being beyond the arc, which is kind of what his bread and butter should be in this league. But the shots will eventually fall because he's creating such great space off the bounce. In this game, despite no assist, he had some really nice passes where guys just didn't finish, or really nice hockey assist as well. Uh, four rebounds, seven points. And of those seven points, all of them, of course, were inside the arc. He had some really great finishes above bigger bodies and, and just a really good job of finishing at the rim, which he's done all year long. Like He's been really good all year long at defending, I mean, I'm sorry, at finishing above the rim. It's just the other stuff has to come around now, too. So, OKC won this game. Their biggest lead was 11 points. Denver never led by more than two. Two lead changes, three times tied. OKC won 101-99. to 
The Thunder, despite what it feels like, they won the rebounding battle 50 to 42. Uh, that was surprising looking back at it. The Thunder had eight turnovers. Denver had nine turnovers. So both teams limited the turnovers despite despite how sloppy and grimy this game felt. Uh, that was also surprising to look back on it and say, wow, you know, no, neither team really had any turnovers in this one. It's just, it's just missed shots, it's missed free throws. You know, it, it's it's that gucky stuff in the middle for OKC and for Denver in this one. Um, in this one, the Thunder shot 45, 27, 87. The biggest difference here, as Denver shoots 40, 44, 35, and 51, was free throws. The Thunder made 87% of theirs. Denver made 51% of theirs. OKC dominates points in the paint, and it was especially critical in the first quarter. It finishes up 58-44. OKC had one more second-chance point. They had three more fast-break points, and they had three players in double figures. Here's the kicker. The Thunder only had three players in double figures. Denver had seven. Every person who played more than 12 minutes got into double figures, and every player who scored got into double figures for Denver. But OKC was kind of more spaced out, and they had a, they had the bulk score in SGA and uh, with with thirty something points and Josh Giddy with eighteen, but a really good game overall and a really impressive win. But the day was OKC plus three, MVP pick of the game is SGA. So what's up next on Tuesday's podcast? We're going to talk about Chet Holmgren's impact on next year's team as he speaks out to the New York Times in a really cool article. Uh, we're also going to do a mailbag podcast to end the show on Tuesday. So send in your mailbag uh, mailbag questions on YouTube comment section or on Twitter at Ryland underscore Styles. On Wednesday, another draft podcast with Richard Stamen at Mavs Draft on Twitter to talk about the draft and talk about uh, where the Thunder sit right now in the draft and what players you should, watch, you should watch for the rest of the college basketball season. On Thursday, Hawks recap. Friday, Stock Watch. Saturday, Cavs recap. Monday, Warriors recap. We're here for you after every single game and five days a week. So make sure that you stay with us. Subscribe wherever your podcast from. And until tomorrow, be good and be good to one another.